Oh, I didn't see you guys there. Are, are we live? Well, huh. uh, good morning, afternoon, and evening. Half a day. Guten Tag. Buenos dias, buenas tardes y noches. And welcome. And for everybody that I miss, hey, y'all. As my granny would say, man, I just want to say welcome to the show. Hope you guys got your drinks, your snacks, and you prepared to learn about some leadership and life lessons uh, through this discussion. Take out your pen and your pad, go grab a friend, and enjoy the show. See y'all at the end. Peace! We are back live, fellas, and it's coffee, crepes, leadership, and pancakes. But look, I just wanted to show show uh, Bookman. I, I got my shirt. <laughs> and of course, the brand Jericho, the brand. Shout out uh, the the clothing brand we started up. So, shout out to my my little young partner out there doing his thing he's he's hitting the streets and selling merch <laughs> um yeah man so today is uh it's saturday it's saturday morning for some afternoon for others um evening for others so wherever you are greetings and if i missed you because you didn't hear what i just said uh hey y'all <laughs> as my grandma say um Anyways, today we got for our leadership panel, we got Lenar in the top, up oh, in the top, right over there. You guys can see him. Boom. What's going on, Lenar? How you doing? Hey, life is good. Glad to be here. Another another beautiful day. Rise and shine and hunt the good stuff. That's right, that's right. Out in sunny, sunny California. Uh, it ain't sunny. It's it's been raining for the last few days. We had a, a break in the weather yesterday, but it's gonna rain until next Tuesday. Oh wow. Well, um, that's better than the forest fires, right? Hunt, hunt, hunt the good stuff. <laughs> All right, we got Matt down here. What's going on with you, Matt? Love and life. We're uh, we're having a beautiful day today, and, and just like every day in Colorado, you can look at one side of the mountains and see the beautiful blue sky, and you can look at the other side of the mountains and see the storm that's rolling in. So we've also got <laughs> 50 degrees, and it'll be snowing by dinner time. It's like... Day. let's do it <laughs> let's do it all right look we are we, we're pulling up we, we, we're, we're already live and uh on, on the show but we try to see if we can get the rest of the people to come on in see how about that that works right it'll bust yes okay i figured it out <laughs> Can y'all still hear me? Say something. Something. Yes. All right. Yes. There we go. All right. So look, we are live on the. Uh... Oh, and it's not even freezing up. I think we found. I think we found it, gentlemen. I think this might be it. This might be it because it's moving pretty fast on that side. 
but it's freaking me out because I look one way and I'm looking at myself. <laughs> Take Bring that down a little bit more. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. All right, y'all. So look, check it out. Today, our article in Coffee Crepes Leadership and Pancakes. Oh, you know what? Before we get into it, it is Coffee Crepes Leadership and Pancakes. So what you do, Matt? Um, toast and coffee. Toast and coffee? Toast and coffee. Okay. Was- yeah. What what you do, Lenard? You solving world peace over there. Uh, my standard bacon, egg, and cheese, uh, you know, tortilla with a cup of coffee in the Cowboys Cup. Yeah, in the Cowboys Cup. Okay. Okay. I see you. Well, look, I had a... Uh, my my wonderful wife made me uh two two sandwich breakfast type sandwiches more like euro breakfast type stuff and i had my handy dandy <laughs> coffee there it is in the grandpa bear cup <laughs> shout out to my grandson out there my and my daughter who's my grandson's mother <laughs> good. i like that that's good yeah 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 yeah, look, last night we were, uh, they called in. Well, he called, they, my wife calls all the time. And, and, and then my, my daughter be like, Mom, uh, he's sleeping. Wake him up so I can see him. <laughs> I'm like, girl, you know how hard it is to get the baby to go to sleep? She is not trying to do that. So when she finally let her see him, uh, she pulls him up. She said, why do you look like you're your grandfather's son? I said, because my, my, his mama was mad at me when she was pregnant with him. <laughs> <laughs> look, we both got the whole fro thing going. I be like, boy, look at your hair. He'd be looking at me like, look at your hair, Grandpa. What the heck? <laughs> but anyways, we're going to jump into this thing, man. For everybody that's watching in Twitch or YouTube, or if you're listening on Anchor, Spotify, uh, Google, Apple, man, thank you all for tuning in and, and, and supporting the show. And if you really want to support the show, go ahead and smash them likes, comments, and subscribe buttons, and leave us comments, man, you know, so we know what we're doing, what you like, what you don't like, you know, so we can adjust fire if that's a potential uh, possibility, because, you know, some of y'all just drinking on that weak sauce, and we can't do anything about that, so... I digress, and we're moving on. So today's article is coming from the Harvard Business Review, and it falls under the subject of change management. Um, so if you know anything about leadership, um, if you've been in the industry, any industry that's, uh, you know, whether they're profit or non- non-profit, uh, you're always looking at change management because you always want to go into an organization and leave it better than you found it. Um, that doesn't mean that you have to make changes, though. <laughs> that means that you, if the process is working, you just continue perfecting that thing and working it the way it is. If it's broken, you find out where those broken pieces are and you make the changes that you can make at your level. So on that, the key to change is middle management. Again, this is in the HBR under change management, and it was written by uh, Benam Tabrizi. I hope I didn't jack that up. All right. Benam Tabrizi. All right. So we're going to get into this thing. If I can get over here. Here we go. All right. At the inaugural meeting of a change transformation effort underway at a hospital in San Jose, California, West Coast, nurse Michelle 
De La Calle faced a room full of people who were discouraged by the organization's earlier attempts at change. She stood and shared a story of her own about how making people wait for hours in the emergency department seemed like a violation of her caregiving role. I wish, I wish we had more people like this. And, and, and I can't say army medicine, military medicine is not like this, but I've watched Remember when we used to have those CO2 trainings, consideration of other training in the hospital specific, and we would have to, wherever you are, whether you was at a TMC or, you know, the, the troop clinic offsite, you would have to go to that main hospital, do this training often. I remember walking past and seeing like veterans sitting in there and they were there so long. I'm like, hey, we've been helped. No, no, no. They usually serve, you know, the active duty people first. I'm a veteran now and I'm like, I don't want to that to happen to me and my wife, but I went to a whole training that was at least an hour. I came back and the same vets were sitting there waiting to be seen and there was not a line. So, you know, that's, that's, it's unfortunate that we have this situation, um, but I think people should be important, right? Especially in the medical field. All right, so she felt like it was a violation of her caregiving role. Her story seemed to move people. I could feel my own intensity, she said. And when she was done speaking, she could tell that people finally understood the need to change. Change effort often crumble into excruciating dull meetings. Yes, and PowerPoint presentations. It dies. <laughs> it starts with great intentions and then you click that death by PowerPoint thing and then it's like, oh yeah, well, let's just get back to what we were doing. Uh, yeah, uh, this hospital effort won't, I believe, because of people like Dela Calle, a mid-level manager in this 5,000 employee hospital. She is leading a 70 member group of patient flow as part of a large organizational effort. Her ability to lead and inspire to become a change leader from her position as a mid-level manager is helping her team produce results. For instance, flow is improving, Patients are moving from the emergency department to beds faster, and the number of patients discharged before 11.30 a.m. doubled from 20% to 40%. Between July and December of 2013, it has stayed at that level since. I studied large-scale change and innovation efforts in 56 randomly selected companies in the high-tech, rail, pharmaceutical, banking, and automotive insurance, energy, nonprofit, and healthcare industries. My research found that majority of the efforts failed. That's crazy, right? A hallmark of the successful 32% was the involvement of mid-level managers two or more levels below the CEO. In those cases, mid-level managers weren't merely managing incremental change. They were leading it by working lever levers up, a power up across and down in the organization. We're gonna drop a pin there because many of our uh, our uh, listeners, watchers, viewers, however you want to put it, uh, are military. They're military. Shout out to y'all military folks. Y'all y'all are heroes. Y'all y'all doing great things out there. Um, and so when we're reading these articles, we're not just willy-nilly grabbing articles that you know are we think is cool, but it's stuff that's applicable to you know servicemen and women, right? And so for us being in the medical field, this really just opening up, right? It, it really touched, um, it hit home for me. Um, one of the things that I was thinking when I was reading it earlier 
it was uh, Lean Six Sigma, and then they went in later and hit on it. <laughs> and the thing I thought about with Lean Six Sigma is we really pushed that because you want people that are always thinking about how to improve the process and the you know um, the flow and cut out the nonsense, right? If we could if we could do something slightly different that's not going to hurt but help people and make the end product more profitable, whether that's you know. Um, we don't have to have as many soldiers do whatever, service members do whatever, or we don't have to waste as much, kill as much trees. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I got while I was reading it, but I'm gonna stop there. And Matt, you have a note, you wanna hit on that real quick? It's just a quick note there. Um, platoon and squad level engagement needs to be there for innovative change to happen. Uh, this, again, speaking of military, you know, we also look at team level engagement, um, depending on the type of unit that you're in, um, or if you're in a hospital, that clinic level engagement. If you look at a CEO uh, in a hospital, you're looking at the hospital commander, the hospital director now, since we don't have commanders uh, running hospitals anymore with DHA the way it is. Um, but if you've got that CEO view, and if we talk about the larger military as a whole, I would see that CEO as um, the battalion, right? Because battalions are different enough inside of a brigade that they have that unique view of what happens beneath them. Uh, you then look at that upper level management being the company commander, first sergeant, and then that mid-level management being your platoon sergeants, your platoon leaders, your XO, and even below that, you've got your squad leaders. They all get together. They, they have to have that same vision, that buy-in, because a battalion commander and command sergeant major with a great view and a great idea as to the way things should go can only do so much. Um, you can impress that company command team, the commander and the first sergeant, and even the XO and say, you need to own this at your level, your piece, your direction, right? We're unique up here, but we're all unique beneath that. So ready, go do. But until that on the ground, mid-level manager that sees every one of their soldiers every single day, multiple times a day, not just first formation and closing formation, all day long, they're engaged with these guys until they really feel the need for that transformational change, it's not going to stick. First Sergeant's going to talk about it Monday morning at motor pool after the Sergeant Major hits it real hard. And then Friday, hey, by the way, you know, before we go into the weekend, make sure you're thinking this. Maybe they'll hit it during the training meeting. But unless it's being said every day and reinforced every day, just like with those clinics, First thing when you start off in a clinic, 7 a.m. before they start, you got your 15 minute sync with your people. Remember, people, we are here to work for and with people. Same thing across the board. Here's our mission. Here's how we're going to make it happen. Here's how we're going to make it happen so it actually works for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. So you get those platoon, squad, team clinic level leaders to really buy into it, understand it, and say it in a way that makes sense to the soldiers, um, sailors, airmen, Marines, guardians. That's it, I think. Coast Guard. What, what do we call the Coast Guard? Are they still sailors? I don't know. I'm going to offend some people. Uh, until we get it all down to their level, uh, it's, it's not going to work. It's not going to fly. It's going to fall by the wayside and just be one more thing that you hear. Oh, yeah, the BC said that. Isn't that great? That's right. Uh, Hey, look, before I, before I, I throw you to Ali, Leonard, um, uh, one of the things that, that you said, Matt, look, they, we got to get them to drink that Kool-Aid, right? They have to take ownership 
of that commander's intent. Um, I think that's why it, I think that's why it's so important when we do have those training meetings that one, we don't drag them out. We don't have unnecessary meetings, but you take your piece and then you explain your piece in reference to the larger piece so that they can take it, process it and say, okay, now my piece that's supporting this piece. And so they can push it to where the, what is it, rubber meet the the road? So that those service men and women are able to understand because the worst thing that you can do is you could, you, you, you throw this stuff out there and, um, you use these high tech, big, elaborate words and they don't understand it. And what happens when, when we do that? A lot of times they're just like, everybody understand? Mm-hmm. Yep, we got it. Mm-hmm. We just need you to stop talking so we can get back to doing whatever it was that we were not doing. Um, but if you explain to them the importance of what we're doing and give them the why, um, they can drink that Kool-Aid and get that buy-in and they can affect that change. Uh, what you got, Leonard? You know, I'm, I'm, um, you know, Matt, Matt pretty much covered the the entire chain there, and, and, and he hit everything on the head. But it, it made me go to, uh, you know, as as NCOs, um, we are the middle. We are in the middle. We're not the whole middle, but we're in the middle. We're in the middle between that commander and that uh, that commander's leader at the top and so we're a couple of levels down already so we're already managing from the middle but you get that mission success when we take we when we address our level we consider ourselves at the top of the middle level where we are but in order to get that success you got to get those people that are under you to be successful in accomplishing the mission so it's even deeper in the middle and that's why I think they get that two, three levels down where the, the, the sweet spot is. And that's where you get, you get the majority of those people involved and they get successful. You're gonna carry the ones that aren't as, as good as getting it done. And then you're gonna get the ones that are even better and you're gonna meet somewhere in the middle, you're gonna have mission success. So you got that, you know, that platoon sergeant level and then that squad leader level is another middle part of that. So you get those people involved and you're gonna have mission success, but it's all about getting engaged and getting your people to feel confident in what they're doing and give them that purpose and, and that justification for accomplishing what they're trying to achieve and we get it done. But that's the, uh, we are the middle. I consider myself the middle and, and like uh, Matt was saying earlier, we work for them. Mm-hmm. You work for the people under you. It's not the other way around or I just some some perspective people do tend to take it as the other way around. You work for me, but I always looked at it as I work for you. In order for in order for you to be successful, you need to tell me what you need so I can make sure that you have that. And that is my work for you mentality. And then we always have success. Yeah. So. That's good. I like it. I'm not going to add anything else to it because you know we can go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I recently took another look at my 553 hours of interviews with eight, 380 executives, managers, and contributors to see why some managers emerge as change leaders. I found a few defining characteristics. So here are the characteristics. 
Uh, number one, change leaders have a North Star and they talk about it. Uh, if nothing else, they have a point of reference and not only do they have a point of reference, but they talk about their point of reference, right? We just said that, right? You understand it and you, you internalize and then you explain it to your people. Uh, many change efforts fail because people reduce themselves to checking boxes and safe, defensible systems such as Lean and Six Sigma. <laughs> they're not saying anything bad about it. You got to hear what they're saying. You got to hear what he's what they're saying. Many change efforts fail because people reduce themselves to checking boxes and safe, defensible systems such as Lean and Six Sigma. So they're not utilizing it the right way. They're just checking boxes. Okay. They wanted to say this thing says do this and therefore I will. They don't engage. Right. right? They don't their own. Yes. Uh, successful change leaders, on the other hand, are open, bold, and have a clear sense of their motivations. Take, for example, Kirk Gerard, planning manager for the county of Santa Clara, who was tasked with overhauling their permitting department, which issued 4,000 permits per year from behind a 70-foot-long counter with no public computers. And I'm going to pause right here. So for anybody that has PTSD with government services, uh, go ahead and breathe now. <laughs> I'm telling you, I started getting frustrated. I read this thing like four times. And every time I got to that part, I felt myself getting frustrated. Because if you ever dealt with it, you understand. And so for D this, leader. Huh? DMV and CIF turn in. Yeah. Oh, oh, CIF. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let me let me stay focused. Matt, why you do that? <laughs> All right. So uh breathe. It's okay. We're gonna get through this. When complaints to elected officials started mounting from property developers dissatisfied with delays, Gerard pulled together a team from many divisions to address the problem. Drawn on his experiences as sustainability advocate, he motivated the group by reminding them that people are more likely to abide by regulations if regulatory authorities are credible. Hmm, CIF. <laughs> you just issued this to me. What do you mean? It's dirty. You got to clean it. <laughs> like, dude, what? Oh. All right. All right, so the question then became how to establish credibility by making permitting easier uh, and quicker. With their goals aligned, the department was able to get rid of some of the hitches in the process, such as communication between siloed departments. The permitting, uh, the, the permitting time has since been nearly half for key pilot projects. Uh, we're going to stop right here, and I'm going to throw it to you, Matt. What you got on this one? So I've got two things here. I'll, I'll touch on the one that's uh, closest here at the bottom. Um, they talked about siloed departments and people, uh, authorities uh, being credible, right? Many systems we work with exist in their own pockets or silos. It's easy to see these people as subject matter experts. We expect our S shops at battalions to be subject matter experts. But it's also easy to dismiss what they say when you hear conflicting information from leaders that you know. So both should be seen as credible and how do we do that? So we've got HR, uh, Human Resources, or S1 for the Army. They told me something, uh, but my first sergeant told me something else. I'm looking at something for my career. I'm looking at for something for movements or paperwork for pay, this, that, or the other. And I'm getting conflicting answers 
from two people that I think should be the subject matter experts. There has to be communication between those silo departments. And it's not gonna come from either one of them. It's gotta come from that higher level management. That's where the mid-level managers, the upper level managers say, we need to sit down, there's been a change. Uh, we need to sit down, there's been conflicting information and we're getting confusion. Let's make sure that we clear this up. And oh, by the way, these things over here sound an awful lot the same as the problems we're having. So let's talk about all of these things. Get on the same page and be doing the same thing. Um, Along those lines, the other thing I said here is don't try to force a vision or a goal that's not in line with your organization's standards. But if you've got a reliable method that works for you, share it. So along those lines, if your upper level leaders don't try and steal the programs that you implement at the lower level, they might not be completely in line with what your senior level leaders are doing. Um, do things that your senior rater, right, the, the person above you and above them, your boss's boss, would want to say, I love that, I want to see that at a higher level. Those are the things that are going to be successful for driving that senior level management change at the lower level. That's good. What you got, Lenore? Anything on this? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna draw from the um, I'm gonna draw from the Army values and say it all become one thing that it helps in this in when you're establishing credibility is you gotta have that trust. Uh, if you trust, if you establish that trust as a leader, you develop that that Army value called loyalty, and your uh, team will follow you wherever you take them. It's not what the commander said it's what you said at that point in time that was the last order given that's where they take action and so if you got the the personal courage to put your foot down and and they believe in you and you have integrity they're loyal to you their discipline is going to make them do what you tell them to do or what you ask them to do and what you help them to do so that's where that, that credibility comes in for me is, is if I know you and I've seen you work and you've established that conf that confidence level that I I believe what you say. Like if, if somebody told me something and I didn't trust what they said, I'd say, well, trust but verify. I need to go check up on that and make sure it works. But if somebody told me something and they have an established history of we're going to make it work and if it goes bad and they're going to take the hit, then we're driving on. And that's where that's where the credibility comes in for me is is I want those soldiers to believe what I just told you, whether it was right or wrong. Let's make it happen. That's right. Unless it's illegal, immoral, or unethical, and then we expect for you to leave us. Look and look, it's there's a, there's a there's a right way to question everything, right? There's a, there's there's a right way. So if if you feel like you know. Maybe something's wrong with this directive. It's not illegal and more unethical, but it, it you know it could it could fall into like a safety deal. After dismiss, go back and be like, hey leader, real quick, can I talk to you for a second? You know? Uh especially if you develop that trust and that credibility. Be like, I don't know if you're tracking, but that bridge was, you know, it's no longer intact. <laughs> you yeah, want us yeah, to we, cross it. <laughs> we we call that tech. Tech. You need to have tact when you're getting ready to approach that situation. That's right. 
what you don't do is you don't say why we gotta do that <laughs> that's when you get detonated in place <laughs> and an example made out of you uh, so you can be right but don't be dead right okay that's that's the point that's the point you know it's you got the credibility if you have it it goes both ways if you see something that's questionable you can go to that senior leader and say hey you know, this is my thoughts on it. And I'm sure all of us have done this before. Um, and if you're the senior leader, you can tell your people, be like, you can pull them aside and you should pull them aside and mention them if you see the same thing happening to them when they push those directives down. And their soldiers are like, well, why we gotta do that? Anyways, I'll- Just keep in mind, anybody can call a ceasefire for safety. That's right. No one outranks safety. That's, those are facts. I love that. I can't remember where I heard that, but uh, it stuck. No one outranks safety. All right, so number two, um, change leaders use a GPS to guide them toward their North Star. All right, so the first one is they have a North Star and they talk about it. The second one is they use a GPS to guide them. So they have a vehicle, a means of keeping them on track. All right, so change leaders are visionaries, but they recognize that they and the organization need a process to help them reach their goals. They adopt the process, stick to it, and inspire others to embrace it. They ask them to have a sip of the Kool-Aid. They, the one that I wrote about in my book, Rapid Transformation has five stages. So the five stages of getting them to drink that Kool-Aid is inspiration, where leaders adopt the vision to capture people's heart and minds, shifting the mindset, change leaders make sure they themselves are open to asking all questions and broadly diagnosing problems, and they inspire openness in the people around them. Um, envisioning and articulating the future. This is the part of the process that involves setting goals that build towards the larger transformation. Planning, how to accomplish the change, implementing the change, Many change leaders use Six Sigma, Kaizen, and Lean for continuous improvement. So if you guys remember just a little bit earlier, I clarified, they're not saying that those, those tools are bad. They're saying the utilization, if not properly used, can be bad, right? So it's like trying to use, a, trying to use your, your Ford Escort to tow a semi-truck, right? You know, because on your little thing on the door, it says that you can tow up to a thousand pounds. <laughs> but you didn't, you didn't realize it was three zeros. <laughs> tore your little escort up. So anyways, um, yeah, I'm gonna stop right here and I'm gonna allow for my, my, my leaders to, to elaborate a little bit. What you got on this, Matt? Well, one note on there, um, specifically about implementing change, you know, planning and implementing. Planning in order to stop that confusion uh, between those siloed uh, SMEs, subject matter experts, uh, don't plan in a silo, right? The best plans are made with multiple angles in mind. And that's why planning takes place with all of, in the Army anyway, when we're looking at planning, we bring in all the different SMEs. We have the different commanders that show up. We have the different staff members, the different NCOs that show up and say, hey, what about this? Well, in my experience, this. Well, in my experience, this. And we get those different angles covered before we present a plan. 
And then during um, implementation, and I would even say during planning uh, as well, remember that systems are wonderful, but they don't execute themselves. Um, make sure your more efficient method is still good for the people who are doing the work. Hey, this is going to save us so much time. Right. But what does it actually mean for the people that are doing it? Hey, this is going to save us so much money. But what does that actually say about what's going to have to be done by those people who are doing the work, right? Do more with less. Sure. That always sounds great. Unless you're the person on the ground having to be right. 30,000. <laughs> Facts. Facts. What you got, Leonard? You solving world peace on me again. You know, I, I turned the mic off just to, you know, make sure I'm not disturbing the people that are that are talking and to give me that, you know, that that listening, that point. But uh the getting back to what I was saying is the the key is for me, uh, and it goes back to the basics. Uh the, the the seven steps to solving the problem. You know, if you if you plan it, you gather the information, you put it together, you figure out what you are trying to accomplish, and then you determine what it's going to take to accomplish it, and then you ask for input on who's go, who's going to make it happen, and you assign ownership of it, and then let them take it. Step back and be a be a supervisor, guide, you know, provide input as you see things happening, but help it along. They'll generally make it happen. You've given it to someone who you believe in, and if you believe in success, it'll be successful. Um, I really can't add more than what Matt put to it. You know, the, that that he, you know, he sums it up really well, and it leaves me with a little bit to say, but that's okay. I like it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna have to put Matt at the end because it's it's rare to have Matt with no words. It's happened a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so look, we got we got Rio in the house. Hey, Rio, I don't know if you if you're only on your phone, but if, do you have anything you want to add to that? Big ups and blessings, my G. Hey, um, I just chimed in. And I'm just here to, you know what I mean, soak it all in, man. All the knowledge, the wisdom, and uh, the input. So, yeah, I'm just happy to be on and to see you guys doing your thing. All right. Hey, it's good to have you, brother. All right. We're pressing forward. So change leaders, number three, change leaders work across boundaries. In many cases, successful change leaders create a direct line of communication to top executives. For example, Gerald Wright, a vice president of technology services at Hewitt Packard, Hewitt has shown himself to be a master at top-down, bottom-up, and lateral mobilization. So, look, I do have a couple things that bug me, right? So, um, HP <laughs> and their wonderful products. I purchased a brand-new laptop, and I went on a mission to, uh, what was the one that we had that was above you? Lennard, the Marine Corps base we had. Uh... Camp Pendleton. Camp Pendleton. Remember we did the uh, the, the leadership, uh, the battalion's uh, NCO of the year? And so after we were finished with everything, I happened to be in the middle of class still. See, leaders, while you're out there, don't be making excuses that you can't do. Uh, you can, you just got to find a way, right? Talk to your teachers. 
So um, we were, we stopped at that Burger King that's right there on the way out. And because they had free Wi-Fi, we had finished the train and everybody's going home. And I log in on my brand new laptop, Beats by Dre edition, brand new. And do you know this thing died on me mid final exam? <laughs> <laughs> I almost had a panic attack. So HP, yes, thank you so much. And they said they couldn't do anything about it. And then you look on the thing and they had horrible reviews saying that it wasn't just an isolated incident. It was a big problem. So yeah, anyways, <sighs> back to Gerald Wright, vice president of HP. Um, he has shown himself to be a master top down, bottom up and lateral mobilization. In 2007, he was handed the daunting task of fixing HP's worldwide compensation structure of 20,000 sales employees. He worked through the corporate strategy group to call direct meetings and then CEO Mark Hurd. He was expert at offering executive VPs the quid pro quo necessary to establish relationships such as offering sales support for one of the executive goals or offering to make an introduction in his vast network. If you don't know what quid pro quo is, that's this for that. So you do something for me, I'll, I'll do something for you. So his was, I'm gonna do this for you so that you can do something for me. Um, he then used the executive VP's personal recommendation to pull together a broad-based team from many divisions. That team uncovered the fact that there were 1,500 compensation plans at HP, 35% of which were single for single individuals. Wright's effort subsequently brought that number down to 40. Um, all right, Leonard, I'm gonna open, I'm gonna pass this one to you first. What you got on this? On this section of change leaders work across boundaries. I think that's networking. <laughs> it, 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 it is, it, it, you have to work, when you say work across boundaries, I think you have, you set different levels of where, where things need to happen and what actions need to take place at different levels. And for me, this one is about uh, taking action at the appropriate level. Uh, and so that's where, if you get something at your level, when I say your level, I mean, you're the leader of the, 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 middle, the middle group. Uh, you need to take action at that level and not try to push it back down to another level. You know, it's once it's at your level, it, it's up to you to make a decision and then keep it going. Uh, that's where I got out. That's what I was getting out of that. And that's what, what came to mind most with me. But, you know, I'm interested in hearing uh, Matt's input because I know he got something. I was looking at his notes. <laughs> <laughs> what you got, Matt? <laughs> I <do> like <laughs> uh, so I said leaders who are willing and able to spend face-to-face -face time with all levels of the organization will have fewer boundaries to deal with when trying to solve big problems. Face-to-face um, -face time is not in front of your screen when someone randomly happens to be desperate enough to walk into your office. Face-to-face -face time is getting up from behind your computer, walking out of your office, and Tay, you and I have talked about that a few times. The only way you can be a transformational leader is to be there to be transformational, That's right? right. Uh, these people know more people, simply put. They know more people, um, know what they need, how to enlist their help, and they'll have a better view of what the organization needs on a holistic level instead of just from their foxhole. From, from my foxhole, if I were to stay in my office all day long, I have a great view of what 
my field hospital and hospital center command teams want and need. I, I had their vision down. In order to actually enlist the help where I need it to make these things happen, I've got to know my junior enlisted, my junior NCOs, my mid-grade NCOs, my, my first sergeants and detachment sergeants, and the officers that go along and pair up with them. I have to know all of that, the holistic right. view, the total overall, in order to say, here's how we're gonna implement change. Here's what that change is gonna be. Here's how the steps that we need to take to get there. But you have to be present. I think every single show we've had so far, one of us has said, presence, 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 you know, at one or another. It's, it's not only necessary, it is imperative to the success of any organization. You mean I can't leave for my, my phone and a text message? <laughs> I, you can, you can, but it won't be effective. Yeah, it, it, it'll get you. That's like uh, one of the board questions we asked. Uh, can a toxic leader get results? Yep. That's sure can. They can get results. It, it, it boils, boils down to, you know, what gets checked gets done. Mm -hmm. And if you're physically checking it, it'll get done. That's right. I love it. Trust, but verify until you don't have to verify because you trust. Oh, 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 oh. By something else. Ooh, yes, that's right. That's right. Or someone else. Or someone. <laughs> Look, all right. So number four, change leaders move fast. So again, um, one of the things that I would do whenever I go into an organization, I try not to make immediate changes, right? You try to, you, because if it's working fine, you don't want to make changes. Why? Just so that you can get a bullet? No, if you keep that thing going at that pace, you're gonna get whatever bullets you need to get because it's it's doing well. You don't have to recreate the wheel. Um, however, if it's not doing well, because you're out there, you're away from your desk, you're seeing how the process is going, you're talking to your people, you're getting an understanding and a feel for things, and it's not flowing well, you gotta, you gotta do it fast. You gotta start implementing, like, so I would say like, I always waited like a month, unless it was like really bad. Then it's like two weeks, maybe a week. <laughs> it may be the next day. If it's real bad, you may be like, yo, look, time out. Look, uh, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. This is horrible. You guys are all out of regs. This is bad. I'm not going to jail. My job is to protect the commander or my uh, OIC or whoever my my partner is, my my battle buddy is, to keep them from going to jail and to keep me from going to jail and to keep either one of us from getting demoted because we work, we all work hard to get to where we work, right? Are so if this one of those situations, you your best bet is to go ahead and start making those changes. So move fast swift okay <laughs> all right paul taylor was managing a uk-based factory for lf beauty uk uh was the ltd part of a 25 million retail conglomerate when he took on the task of reducing reducing waste in the assembly line he asked workers to collect any waste that was produced over the course of a week um, they fill 40 pallets with faulty bottles and packaging of beauty products. This sounds like something that I read in my uh, my Greenbelt class with William Six Sigma. Um, Taylor gathered the factory 600 employees around the pallets to help everyone visualize the enormity of the waste. 
then mobilized a large cross-boundary group of managers and line workers. Taylor created a sense of urgency and then kept up the pace with tight deadlines. For instance, the diagnose phase, which uncovered weak spots in the process used to create the materials, was carried out by rapid response teams with a six-week deadline. Throughout the process, the company was holding short-focused weekly or twice-weekly meetings. Taylor imbued the process with his own urgent pace. In the space of a year, the company cut costs by nearly $1 million, but this was just a cost-cutting exercise, says Taylor. It was This wasn't just a cost-cutting exercise. It was a rapid cultural and mindset transformation of my factory employees. Uh, we're going to stop right here. You got a note right here, Matt. What you got? Just the simple fact that this isn't reality with every project. Um, every man wants their project, their idea, their their cost cutting or waste saving or time saving or money saving thing to be the priority right now. But every project can't be the number one priority, right? Uh, when there's reason for urgency like this, when he sees that much waste, when we see that much waste in time, in money, in in people, uh, one way or another, then we have to say yes. There there's a reason to implement this, and when the leader takes the time and makes the time is the way I said it, uh, gets things done. So they make the time for their people to actually focus on the task and explain it to them so they can know what to do and own it. They make the time to not just say, and I fall back on this all the time because it's just burned into my brain, servant leadership, servant leadership, servant leadership. Don't just say it, explain it, enforce it, and live it just this with all of your projects make the time to actually focus on your people getting it so they can own it and then take the time to check on them Lenard just like you said what gets checked gets done listen to the feedback listen to what they're saying because the best laid plans are going to hit a speed bump when it gets right outside of, of your line site right and that speed bump is something you need to know about if it's your program you can fix it if you know about it, but if you don't listen to that feedback, if you don't want to give that feedback higher because, oh, then they might shut me down, then your fear is gonna make that fail. So make the time for the people, take the time to check on it and understand that not everything is going to be the number one priority because it can't be. That's right. What you got in the I think Matt. So I made I made five notes in this in this particular topic, and I think Matt hit you almost hit all five. But I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, name, I'm gonna name them anyway, and I'm gonna tell you where, you, and you'll see where you almost hit. One, as Do I it. said, understand why change is necessary. You know, you don't just. In other words, that's the first. My first note is you have to understand why. Why are you making this change? There needs to be a reason. Second, don't just uh, don't make changes until you identify an issue. So you've identified why it needs to be changed, and you understand that you're changing. The understanding is you're making the change to make it better or to improve. Uh, the other is get feedback from the end user or past reports. So that's where you go back and look at your AARs before you make changes, and you look at past history, and then you get feedback from those on the ground. Who, you know, what were their problems? Why didn't they have success? And why do we need to implement this change? And then the, the one that, that you kind of hit, but you didn't hit with the last one, uh, carnal knowledge. 
once you have kernel knowledge, you must take action because failure to do so will lead to problems. <laughs> if you are aware of a problem, you need to take action. If you try to say, well, I didn't know that was happening, and then somebody said, yes, you did, I told you. Well, <laughs> you know, we talked about it, remember? <laughs> exactly. So once you have knowledge of a problem, there is no there is no denial. You have to take action. That's, those are my those are my five notes, and I think you hit them all. You know, so I ain't not gonna be, I'm not gonna beat that horse, but that was my five steps. Awesome, you said those. Look, I'm I'm going to I'm gonna drop a, a, a pin on something you said, Lamar. In this uh, leaders, when you know something, you need to report it, right? Uh, why? Going back to what I said earlier, you worked hard to get to where you are. And if they find out that you, leader, knew about something that was wrong, it went against army values and all that crazy stuff, you're gonna get wrapped up. And why are you gonna get wrapped up for something when you could have just handed it to the next level person and said, hey, look, I just found out about XYZ. Um, this is why we always talk to them and, and we try to stop the service members be like, hey, look, confidentiality you understand that if you talk to me about xyz i'm a leader i'm in a leadership position i must report i know they change some of it's where if you're that you're that confidant or like that that battle buddy or that whatever uh there's still gray lines in that if you're a leader you're a green tavern as they say in the army and you find out about something like that especially if it's a commander's uh it's on the cc uh was it cc yes ccir i almost remembered it it's working. This retirement thing is working. Nation requirements. <laughs> I'm forgetting all them acronyms, but y'all know what I'm talking about. If it's something that's a mandatory report to the commander or for the commander, and you have that information and you did not get it to them, you will be wrapped up in there some form or fashion. So that's that's just words to the wise. Don't 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 be like I ain't no rat. When you when you get demoted. I'm sure your buddy or whoever it was that you was trying to hold it for, uh, they ain't going to share whatever pay difference you're losing. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for, thanks for looking out for me. Here you go. I know you lost them six, 700 bucks. Let me go and give it back to you. No. Because <laughs> they're probably losing some too. All right. <laughs> okay, Mario got his hand up or had his hand up. Oh, oh, oh. Let's go. What you got, Mario? I didn't see it. Talk to us. Man, I was I was trying to remain silent and just be a spectator um, and just listen. But uh, you guys hit on some great, great points that just kind of resonated with me as far as uh, being a, a a follower of, of Christ and and how being walking with the Lord is it's, it's like the saying, like you said, being a member in the military, being of leadership, being you know that example, that conduit between higher ups and. And uh, the foot soldiers, the ones that's on ground, I like how you said end users, so that's what we call them uh, and at the university, we call them end users. Um, but if you have to be, you have to be held accountable for the things that you have become aware of. When, when, when God gives you clarity, he gives you discernment and he says, okay, son, go forth. Or in your sense, staff sergeant, master sergeant, go forth and train your troops and you withhold that information, now you have been held accountable. Now you have taken that into your own hands and said that I will be held accountable for the things that I have not shared 
uh, according to the, the the laws, the the, the requirements of the army, or and like I said, in, in the walk with, with God. You know, you have to be able to be in a place to be willing to share these things, good or bad, to be that conduit in between, you know what I mean, the, the sheep and the shepherd, that the, the military and the soldiers, you know? So I, I love what you guys are sharing. It's, it's just tap dancing on everything that I've been studying and I've been praying about. And I just wanted to get on here and say, you know what I mean? It's awesome, fellas. You guys are doing an amazing job. And keep sharing the tools and the jewels of being a great leader. Thank you. Good stuff. Appreciate that, Rio. All right. So uh, Wright and Taylor have been promoted since. I have the privilege of working with them. And Gerard and Delacalle, I'm confident, will be too. Success begets success. Again, success begets success. Leaders, success begets success. What does that mean? That means that if you help your people be successful, you're going to be successful too. Right? Um, and leading a successful change effort shows the marks of a true leader. Um, if you're a manager eager to transform yourself into a change leader, the first step is finding or making sure you are fully committed to the work you're doing personally and professionally. I encourage managers to write vision statements. I was just talking to a soldier the other day about this, write your vision statement. Um, Delacalle's uh, vision statement reads, encourage and inspire others to action and forward progress. Make personal and professional decisions with balance and thoughtfulness so those around me and myself feel proud. That's good. Then I suggest three other steps. Find a bold process of change like rapid transformation to follow. Push yourself to communicate, especially up with your company's executives and the CEO. Embrace speed at every possible juncture. And if you notice, he highlighted what he went over in the other steps. So everything that he told us that's going to help he said now implement these like this you know like um we think of mid-level managers as managing incremental change but many are change leaders in the making when they align their personal goals and strengths with organizations goal they become extraordinary leaders uh, i'm stopping right there uh, matt you got a note right here so you want to you want to expound on your note and give us your final thoughts well, you know, you said it before, especially when we're talking about the Lean Six and Sigma, you know, uh, not every leader has to make bold sweeping changes. Sometimes what we need to do is identify what's working, what's not working as well as it could, and then make sure that we have that communication from top to bottom and bottom to top. Sometimes the best leaders are literally just that conduit from the bottom of the chain to the top of the chain, ensuring that the top hears what they need to hear and that the bottom understands and sees the vision that they're supposed to see and is in line with it, with everything that they're doing. Um, make it a part of their own, right? I think if, if we do anything as leaders, it should be to ensure the ownership of the unit identity, uh, organizational identity, wherever you're at, and then the vision of the senior commanders and how that is to be executed. If we can do that as leaders, if we can be that conduit, that that person that they can go to, the uh, the keystone or uh, or or whatever, you know, your dictionary of the commander said this, and I don't understand it. I'm going to go to this NCO or this officer and find out what that means because I know they know me and I know they know them. Uh, I think you can be as, more successful even 
uh, and, and more transformational than the ones who come in and say, I'm going to make these bold sweeping changes, these huge things that are going to change the entire identity of the organization. That's great. But you were the one that smoothed things out. You were the one that made people understand and do it on their own so that when you left, it kept going smoothly. Yeah, that's good. Look, when you left, you don't want it to fall apart when you leave because that means that you did not do your job. <laughs> now, if it fall apart when you leave, it don't mean that you necessarily didn't do your job because sometimes people just come in and they'd be like, we're gonna do it like that anymore. We're gonna do it like this. And then it fall apart. Well, it falls apart because you didn't train people to function without you and to understand the processes that you have in place. Hey, then you fell. Um, uh, real quick, one thing that I wanted to highlight on what you just said, Matt, is that the processes, uh, the processes that we um, that we're uh, setting into place and that are there, and you don't have to do them. Um, not you don't have to do. You have to make changes. Sometimes the processes are right. It's just the people aren't applying or um, carrying them out right. And so that's why it's important for us to get out to see how it's being done. Because everybody's saying it's not working. No, the process is just there. Somebody paid some money for some Lean Six Sigma person to come in here from region, and they they did a good job on this process. Now we got to do the application piece the right way. So that's yep. all I to that. What's your what you got for us, Leonard? And what your uh, closing statements? You're on mute. Okay, there you go. Uh, I got it. I got it. Only made a couple of notes here, and and and, uh, and, and like you said, my notes. You guys hit on them. I mean, you both hit on them this time, but I'm just gonna share them anyway because I put them in layman's terms. You know, one of my words I don't have to go look up. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, experience, experience. Share your experiences and listen to the experiences of others. You know, you, you know, sometimes your people have already done it. They know what how to do it. They have a process that they've gone through and they know it's gonna be successful. And as we said before, success begets success. So, and then on when knowing, when you know your people, know your people and assign them in accordance with their capabilities. They tell you they've done it before and they were successful, let them do it. You have your way to do it, but if they've done it and it was successful, let them do it. And you'll find that, hey, nine times out of 10, you'll be successful. Everybody's successful. Everybody's happy. And the mission is accomplished. That's good. That's it. Awesome. I like well, that. Gentlemen, uh, uh, hey, look, that was, that was good, man. That, that really touched home. But before we let y'all go, we need to know what our article is for next week. What we got coming up, man? Next week, we will... We will oh, still. Oh, 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 you're right. You're right. My bad. My bad. Hold on to that, Matt. Yep. What's your closing statements, Mario? <laughs> hey, I, I appreciate it. Um, no, I, I was just thinking about the, the success begets success. Iron sharpens iron. You know, I mean, we are our brother's keepers. We are helpers one to another. All these great and powerful tools that, you know, uh, have been said verbally. But until we put them into action, they're just words. I think the, the leadership brand, the leadership title, the leadership definition it expands upon, you know, across all, like you said, all different avenues and we're networking together 
to bring about a greater understanding of what it really is to be a leader. So I really appreciate these these early morning uh, crates and jewels and all these things that you guys are putting out to make leadership really known and what the definition really is. So keep sharpening each other up, man. I appreciate it. Hey, that's what's up, man. You know what I love about I love about this. I love that you know um, all of us are 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 interpreting the articles from our own our own walk, um, past, present, and what we plan on doing, and how someone that's listening is gonna grab something from everybody or from one or two, right? And that's the that's the part that I really appreciate about you, gentlemen. Uh, coming in, spending some time um, earlier in the morning, uh, Lenard, <laughs> earlier than me. Well, we all up around the same time, but you know, the time, the time frame. Um, that's why I say er, good morning, good er, morning, afternoon, and evening to everybody because everybody's watching and listening at different times. And for those of you that are out there in audio visual land and you're watching, and if it's not live, thank you for tuning in anyway. And I must apologize because I forgot to give a shout out to the sponsor who came in here and looked at me sideways and uh, <laughs> gonna take my sponsorship away. Uh, so shout out to the Jewel Junkie who adds style to your smile. Five dollars at a time. What you got, Matt? Next week. Next, Next week, week, yes. Oh, I wanted to say for those of you that are listening and, and uh, Mario, I know you dialed in on audio. Uh, you can't see all the head nods. You can't see all, all the, the fist pumps on everything that we're saying. So we, we completely agree with you, even if we don't break in and say so. Uh, great points, everybody. This was awesome. I really love this week. Thank yes. you. Um, next week will be another Harvard Business Review article. Um, we're going to have more than HBR soon, I promise. I've expanded my boundaries. Um, it is the power of dignity in the workplace in that the managing people category. I love it. I love it. Hey, look, Harvard, HBR, they're going to they gonna sponsor us eventually. They should. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the HBR. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, you, if you feel like, you know, sponsoring us and shooting us some articles to to talk about, you know, hey, look, we're here. We're, we're willing and able every Saturday on coffee crepes, leadership, and pancakes. That's all for the day, people. Enjoy your weekends. Be safe. Don't do stupid. And be blessed, man. Tell somebody you love them. Talk to y'all later. Peace! going on everybody i hope you enjoyed the show and if you did enjoy the show and you see the option go ahead and smash that like comment and subscribe button for your boy because it helps us out it helps with the algorithm it helps with you know make people feel good it helps with whatever else that it helps with just smash the button for me and i appreciate you and when you get a chance to 
um, go ahead and leave a voice uh, memo as well because you know you may find yourself with one of the, the commercial breaks or something like that because you just left a really nice voice message and you know the feedback does help too so again thank you for watching the show i hope you enjoyed it i hope you learned something and uh I'll, i hope to see you on the next show god bless you and take care of yourself peace <laughs>